Welcome to the in-season podcast, the hunting podcast that brings back the camaraderie of hunting, the campfire conversations about gear, tactics, hunting stories, big bucks, gobbling turkeys, and whatever else might be in season. Whether you're an avid bow hunter, a small game enthusiast, or trying to plan your next big hunting adventure, we are here for it. So let's go. Welcome back to the in-season podcast, the official podcast of Trees and Camo. This is episode two, and we are in Lexington, Georgia at the headquarters of Treason with the man that made this all possible, Mike Austin, the president of Treason and of NoScent. Welcome, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. That You make me sound more important than I really am. <laughs> but I appreciate that. You're it's, important to it's, us. It's, exactly. it's the World International, you know universe headquarters whatever <laughs> i love that so holden and i uh we had a chance uh, everybody knows that um how we got connected with mike we went to south africa mike invited us down here to see the facilities to get a chance to meet in person and and to help tell the story of you of your hunting journey and end of treason specifically and how this all came to be and why in the world you gave us the opportunity to represent treason in the podcast forum so um before we get going um Tell me a little bit about your journey into hunting and what made you want to get into the hunting industry in the first place. Sure. Well, it, it's a unique journey, but I think it's a journey that a lot of people can identify with. I grew up in central Illinois and our family enjoyed the outdoors and we went hunting, um, mostly small game, not too many, much big game hunting. Uh, of course, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. So, believe it or not, there weren't a lot of deer in mm-hmm. Illinois in the 60s. Which is crazy to think about now because right. that's, exactly. that's a top whitetail right. state. Well, with conservation and, you know, just management efforts, the population has flourished. But back then in the 70s, it wasn't so much. But we did a lot of hunting of rabbits and squirrels and, you know, just going out and enjoying the outdoors, my dad and myself and my brothers and sisters. So... Uh, that was part of my, my growing up. And then, you know, like anything else, um, you know, high school, college, graduate school, marriage, kids, and all that stuff happened. And I didn't get the chance to do a lot of that um, during those that time of my life. So uh, as life happens, um, you know, unfortunately, my dad got cancer and uh, he passed away. And it was really traumatic uh, for me, like everyone who loses a parent. Mm-hmm. It's a tough struggle. And um, I was just really struggling. And a really good friend of mine, uh, Benji Brickle, uh, who didn't know what he unleashed, but <clears throat> he said, hey, why, why don't you just come over uh, to my place? I've got a deer stand in the back of my you know, property. You could sit there and just kind of you know, decompress a little bit. And I thought, you know what, it might help me in, in some way reconnect with my, my dad who had just passed away. So I thought I would. So, you know, I hadn't really been deer hunting before, but I had a 30-30 Marlin. And how old are you yeah. at this point? I'm probably um, 37 years old. So oh, okay. there, there's a decent break, I guess, between you know, growing up hunting small game, like you said, you went to high school, college, graduate school, that time period, you weren't really hunting. Right. I was, I enjoyed the outdoors. I went to, you know, graduate school in Colorado and just did the whole outdoor thing. I enjoyed it. I Mm -hmm. took a lot of uh, trips overseas, enjoyed the, the outdoors. And, but really, so I got back, you know, Benji said, Hey, come sit in my deer stand 
and, you know, just kind of decompress. So I did. And, um, you know, I was in my blue jeans and my shirt. I had crackers and a Coca-Cola. And, you know, I was just like chilling out. And, you know, I started seeing animals. And I started to think about my dad. And it was just this really cool experience. Like, I bet my dad saw stuff like this. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I bet this is connecting with you know so i kind of felt like i was seeing through his eyes again i felt like in some way he was with me again yeah i mean i think hunting is one of those things right it brings you back in some way to your roots right to our ancestors roots right being able to connect to the past a little bit um yeah I, i agree with you there right i can only imagine at the time what you were going through in your life and being there sitting in that deer stand and starting to see animals come through and you know, walk by and being able to say, you know, I, I, like yeah. I, I bet my dad saw, you know, something yeah. very and similar still, to So to this day, if you're dealing with a tough time or you need to reflect, is that where you go? Oh, yeah. tree stand? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, because my cell phone doesn't usually work where I go, <laughs> which is, you know, part of the genius of it, right? Exactly. <clears throat> so, yeah, it is just a great opportunity to disconnect and yet at the same time connect, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and that, you know, gets to the very heart of why we do what we do with treason is the connection. But I mean, that was how I got started back again in the hunting, you know, culture. And it really was about reconnecting or trying to, and I think it did in many ways, reconnecting with my, my love of my father and the love of the outdoors and the entire culture around that. Yeah, I think that's great. So we talk about your journey back into the outdoors. That was in your mid thirties. Right. At what point did treason become a thing? Well, it was amazing because the first time I was introduced to treason was in South Africa and uh, amazing, huh? So we have another company called No Scent, and we developed that company. It's it's a scent elimination company that's ultra safe and very effective. So it grew in the United States, and then it jumped the pond, and it went over to South Africa with a dealer. And so I went over to South Africa to this really huge international uh, trade show called Huntex. And I'm over there, and you know, No Scent is there and doing its thing. And I'm walking around because they have cool stuff. I mean, it's exactly like every trade show here, only different. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the caliber of the weapons are different. The, 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 the food is different. Everything's different. And I really enjoy that. So I'm walking around and I see this camo pattern. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not, you know, that's from America. It's got to be. And then I get on my phone, right? And I Google trees and I find it is an American company. And I just, as soon as I get back home, I call up, you know, hey, who are you guys? And what are you guys? And I got a, I bought some trees and camo when I was in South Africa. And what was the first piece you bought? Oh, it was a jacket. The jacket. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Early season, late season. Late season. Late season. That's all they had over there is late season. So, but I mean, I thought this is a great jacket and it was a great value price and you know, I just thought this is a, this is like nothing I've ever seen this type of camo. And then when I got back to the United States, I started talking with some of the people involved in treason and learning more of the history of it and not knowing, not even dreaming, thinking that one day I would be sitting here in the capacity to serve as the president of treason. And how long have you been the president of treason? 
Uh, four years. Four years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what drew me to treason initially was the pattern. I, I told this in episode one that I, my connection was I moved from North Carolina, mostly only hunting the Midwest back home. And I moved to Georgia and it's hot in September when bow season opens. We're about to, you're about to find that out in like a week here, right? Because <laughs> right. the season right. opens in, in about a week and a half when this is being recorded. And uh, wanted the ultra lightweight, wanted something that was comfortable. And the pattern was just different than anything that I'd seen before. You see so many patterns that look the same, but this was unique. It was modern. And it was just, honestly, it was frankly cool. It wasn't, it wasn't the camo pattern that's been around that my grandfather was wearing back in the day. Right. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it was different. It was modern. It was cool. And it kind of spoke to me a little bit. And the ultra lightweight gear, I wasn't sweating my tail off sitting right. in a tree stand in mid-September. Right. So that piece of it, what what made it different for you? Like you can probably explain the science behind it in, in the pattern and in, in why it is so special, but how is it different than all the other camel brands? Why, why would someone choose treason over the hundred other options they have out there? Sure. Well, I mean, for the same reason that you kind of connected with it, I did too at first. It's like, wow, that is really unique and distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got to um, become more and more involved with treason, uh, the, the, the science behind the pattern is basically the, what is the purpose of, of camouflage clothing? It is uh, several fold. First, it is to help conceal your silhouette. Okay, it's not necessarily just to conceal you, but to conceal your silhouette. Yeah, because, you want to break up that image. Right, you got to break up that silhouette. The, the, the whatever you're hunting, usually it's whitetail or it might be muley or whatever. They're they're like us, you know. When we go hunting, you don't look for a deer. What do you look for? You're looking for movement. Movement, yeah. right? So if it's moving, you're looking for those. And images. these animals are we way better at that than we are. <laughs> That's, That's right, yeah, because they're being hunted. 365 yeah. right they're, they're prey right so it, what what you what we what we're trying to do and i think what we've hopefully accomplished with treason is to break up that silhouette so we lo- we use large um palettes of image right not small because if you have a lot of small pieces in your camo a pattern that repeats itself very quickly often then it might look pretty good like at this distance wow that looks great but you got to think about it that animal may be 20 meters or 30 meters or 50 yards away and what is it going to look like at 50 yards right okay. a small pattern up. washes out yeah, right just a big blob you're just a blob so if you've got small patterns that repeat and repeat you don't conceal you don't break up the silhouette you just look like a solid up there and that's what the animals are looking for and it defeats the whole purpose, right? So not only unless the, you're just trying to post it on Instagram, and then those still look pretty cool, <laughs> right? They do. They really those do. They're only taking five feet away, though. That's, That's right. right. Exactly. Right. So the the images are important, right? And then the colors are important. So our early season patterns they mimic what you see, like early season, like for turkey, but also early bow season. So there's a lot of dark, dark greens, and there's a lot of bright greens. Mm -hmm. And also most of us hunt from an elevated position, right? So you got to think about the perspective of usually again, a whitetail, they're looking up and what do they see when they look up? They're seeing white and bright spots. Mm -hmm. So that's what our camo also has there's a lot of other camels that do similar things but the thing you want to avoid always is those 
simple, small patterns that repeat over and over and over again. It's your grandfather's camo. You know, I hadn't thought about that. When, when you stand and you're in the woods and you look up, you're seeing the canopy, you're yeah. seeing different colors, you're <laughs> seeing right. browns, you're seeing greens, but you're also seeing the blue sky behind it or white clouds right. or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. I hadn't really considered that from that perspective right. um, in the camel patterns. Right. I didn't realize that was part of the design initially. But and that's the intentionality so of it too. Uh, and then you, one of the things that's unique about our camo, not, I mean, other camel companies do the same thing, but they're always high-end camo companies like Treason, mm-hmm. no UV brighteners in the in the product that makes the 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 patterns or the ink that goes into the cloth and and why should that be important to me well because we know uh science from science that animals they can see uv color Mm -hmm. unlike what we do so we can't really see uv that well but deer especially do and it turns out to them like a, a little glow on you know like there's something up there that's foreign in the woods and it's glowing. So you don't want any UV uh, brighteners in your the, the ink that makes the, the, the patterns on the clothes. You certainly don't want to wash your clothes in um, laundry detergent that has UV brighteners because that's what we want, right? We want this blue shirt that we're wearing, you know, to, you know, Walmart or whatever mm-hmm. store we're going to. You want this to pop. You want it to be fresh and bright, yeah, just like it was <laughs> when you bought it, right? You don't want it to be faded. Mm-hmm. It accomplishes that with UV brighteners. So th- what is great for, you know, going to dinner, going to church, or doing whatever you're doing so your clothes look fresh and bright, that's exactly the opposite in the woods. You don't want to look fresh and bright. You don't want to glow out there. So a lot of the camo that you'll find in the brick and mortar stores they will be made with ink that has a lot of UV brighteners in them. Is that because it's cheaper to make and more yeah. accessible? That's all it is. It's, so just, it's just a different type of ink. It is. It's right? a different type of ink. It's a, it's a cost-effective way. Mm-hmm. It's common. It's very common. Uh, how, many, how many camel brands that are out there that you know of, outside of Treason, have the ink that is does not have UV in it? Just a couple. I mean, you're talking about the top-tier camel patterns. Like, you know, we... We're, we're not promoting other camo, but I mean, you know, you, you're talking about your Sitka's, your Kuyu's, your First Lights, your Treason. And that's the end of the list, essentially. I don't know that that's the end of the list, but I know that once you get into a lot of brick and mortars, you know, you stuff that you, with all due respect, it, you're buying from Walmart and mm-hmm. even some of the big box stores, that camo is, is going to have UV brighteners in it. And it takes a long time to wash those out. A long time. So, you know, unfortunately, that's super important. You've got to break up your silhouette. You've got to mimic what's out there in nature. And then you can't add anything that's foreign into the woods like UV brighteners yeah. or UV rays. Uh, not rays, but I mean, the way UV bounces off of, you know, your clothes. I mean, it's as simple as taking what we used to, you know, black light and shining it on the clothes. And if you want to know if camo has UV in it, that's how that's an easy that's way to do it. anybody can do that yeah 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 that that's really interesting because i i didn't know a whole lot about that you know before getting involved with treason um for me you know one of the reasons i got involved obviously was through mike but um i was one of those people or my family we didn't spend a whole lot of money on hunting gear right it was kind of the same situation jeans with a pair of sweatpants under them you know <laughs> to, to stay warm during the right. winter 
a flannel, maybe a, a camo jacket. And that's what uh, growing up, that's what I used to probably get that you could pick up at Walmart exactly. or Kmart or wherever. Yeah. May, maybe I had a few things from Bass Pro, but you know, a good pair of boots and that was about it. But learning about that is all super interesting and it all, I mean, it's backed scientifically, right? <laughs> right. And, and there's a reason for that. Like, you know, we go You're to saying there's a reason for treason. There's a reason for treason, <laughs> but there's See what all, I did there. I, yeah. So, I mean, one of the key things is when you're, when you're hunting, you know, let's just say whitetail, but it really, it, it goes for any animal. Um, you're going to be looking for a certain, you know, animal that you really are looking for. Now, look, if it's a legal hunt and a legal harvest, I'm all for it. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm never, I'm never going to bash someone because they shot an animal that I thought was too small or whatever. It's like, look, if you paid for the license and you did it legally, God bless you. Right. All power to you. And whatever gets people out in the outdoors right. at this point, right? But there's, there's a, a lot of division but going you, on. You might be looking for a particular animal. You know, you might go, oh man, I saw that. I saw that one buck on camera, you know, and I really, really want. Yeah, you have a, a chance hit, like him. a hit list buck. Right. And that might be a three and a half, four and a half, or maybe a five and a half year old deer. Now, look, you know, one and a half and two and a half year old deer, they're, they're small. They taste great, though. <laughs> um, but they are small and they're, they're dumb as a sack of hammers. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take much to really harvest a deer like that. Okay. But if you are going for that three and a half, four and a half, five and a half year old, or even older buck or doe, you're going to have to. They got that old for a reason. Yes. <laughs> and the little things matter. The little, every little thing matters. So down to the no UV brighteners in your clothes and your, the ink that made the pattern that you're wearing to the very pattern that you're wearing. And our clothes are made to be comfortable because we don't, you know, if you're comfortable, you're not moving. Right. Mm -hmm. it, when you're uncomfortable, if something doesn't fit right, you're then you're fidgeting, uh, you know, and you're stand. moving, you're trying to get comfortable in the stand and that just is working against you. So that, that's one of the other things that I noticed when I got my first piece of treason. So the first thing that I ordered, the ultra lightweight early season <laughs> pants and the, uh, and the button up top. And I also ordered the, uh, the vest just cause I love vests yeah. and that was in late season. But as I was doing that, I think one of the things that, um, that I thought about and what I noticed afterwards is the mobility in them that, um, whether I'm dragging a deer out, whether I'm in a saddle, whether I'm in a tree stand, it doesn't feel restrictive. Like it has, it's, it's the structural integrity was really good. The pocket situation in all of the pants is apps. I'm a, I'm a pocket junkie. <laughs> if the pockets aren't good, I'm not going to want the camo. Um, cause I, I like things organized. I want to know where I put them in the pocket game is so strong on all the pants, specifically the, the cargo fleece line ones. They're, they're yeah, just great. I was going to say, I want to reiterate that because your first order of treason was early season. Mine was all late season, cold weather. Cause we were going Ty to Africa, yeah, typically bulky clothing. And like you said, even though it's like cold weather clothing, the mobility, the quietness of the clothing, everything is there, the pockets, right? <laughs> so what, what makes it? For the treason pattern, what makes it where it's flexible, where I can be in a saddle, I can be in a tree stand? Because it seems like the the way that the way it's made allows for that very intentionally. Well, what, what is that? Well, I think it's because hunters design this stuff, right? So we're coming with decades and decades, the team of 
you know, our research and development and our design team, we all hunt. We're not um, just, you know, clothing designers, but we're first and foremost hunters. And we've all hunted in crappy clothing <laughs> before, right? <laughs> Where, uh, you know, we just, we work from that. It's like, man, what don't you want to happen? Well, I don't want this to happen. Okay, well, let's build clothes that don't do that. And what do you want to happen? Well, I would like this to happen. Well, let's build clothes that make that happen. So there's an intentionality to the sizing, the fit, the finish of it, the design, like your the late season products that you're talking about, that's a multi-layer system. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of science in this in these fabrics to make them windproof, quiet, and water resistant. I mean, to accomplish that, because usually the, the more water resistant a fabric is, the louder it gets. And that's because of TPU layers that are in, in between the fabrics and all kinds of the tighter the weave mm -hmm. and all kinds of science that goes into that. But there's, a, the, there's better fabrics, better, better products out there, and we try to incorporate those so that you're quiet and you're comfortable. Because when you're quiet and you're comfortable, you're a lot more successful. Um, and that's just a fact. Yeah, and you mentioned the team here at Treason, right? Usually the company culture is going to go parallel with the company's success. So what, what have you done you know, here at Treason to you know, bring a team? You mentioned a whole bunch of people, R&D, um, everything like that. Bring them in, you know, foster collaboration, innovation within the hunting apparel industry. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we have a great team, um, and the team consists of our uh, chief operating officer, uh, Brad Thomas, who does, you know, everything, right? And, <laughs> and, and I mean, whatever needs to be done. But mostly what you see in Treason, he is the one that makes that imagery come alive, whether it's our website or patterns on our clothes, uh, he makes that become reality it comes with a lot of input from not just our our paid staff but also our field staff mm -hmm. that pour information into us because we're here for them we all serve this community my job as president is to serve this community to develop that so we 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 find people that uh, are you know like-minded have the same values that we have, the same vision and perspective and commitment that we have, and we go from there. And these are all hunters, so it's a very easy transition. But, you know, we're out for excellence. Every one of these people, um, everyone on our team, um, really is passionate about the outdoors and about hunting in, in specific yeah, and I mean, having a great, good team around you, I mean, sure, you know, everybody here has had a, a great team. It's something in the atmosphere that you can, it's almost tangible, right? Um, but I know backing up a little bit, you said you were the, you became the president of Treason four years ago. Right. Between, or from now, four years ago, a lot has happened. COVID, everything else like that. I'm sure, right. you know, becoming the president of Treason hasn't been a walk in the park. Oh, it was a great time <laughs> to start, you know. <laughs> it was horrible. But no, I mean, it. It really, you know, baptism by fire, right? Mm -hmm. um, and treason uh, had a great foundation, and 
you know, we were looking to take it to the next level. Uh, yeah, COVID, like for everybody, it just was a curveball. And it's like, okay, whatever you thought you knew, it's over. <laughs> well, I, I suspect in this business specifically, because during that period, we know there were more license sales. We know a lot of people got in the outdoors mm-hmm. and they were getting, you know, whatever money from the government to do different things with. However, at the same time, we were having supply chain issues. Right. Like how did, how did you balance the increase of demand, but the challenges of product during that time of being able to get things in, get them shift, but people want to be in the outdoors. So they're trying to buy more. They're trying to do more. They're doing more online shopping. What were the challenges like in 2020? I mean, the challenge was you couldn't get products. Um, because our products, because they're technical, the fabrics are made, you know, overseas. That's the only place they're made. And you, you're at the mercy. Now, you couldn't travel to go visit the manufacturer. Everything was done by email and, and Zoom calls and everything else. And then what used to take, you know, four months from the time you ordered it till the time it, it arrived in our warehouse now is eight months. And you're buying, uh, you know, for the season that hasn't even finished yet, right? (laughs) For the next year. And um, it caused, you know, all of us in the industry, every industry really, to be much more strategic, a lot more risk, because you're buying product that you hope will be able to sell eight months from now. And you don't know what eight months from now is going to look like. You don't even know if the world's going to exist in eight months yeah, exactly. in 2020. Right. Well, I mean, part of the issue in the economy, I mean, so many of us struggle and probably a lot of our listeners, I mean, when it comes to the price of fuel, gas, diesel, right? And as it goes up, food prices go up. I mean, what people might have, you know, maybe they had some disposable income, but every time fuel goes up, everything else goes up. And all disposable income goes down. And there's a lot of people that struggle out there, which is why at Treason, we produce a product that we really believe is top of the line in terms of technical performance and quality of construction, Mm -hmm. quality of products. So we're, we're at the top tier, but we can sell that product because this company is privately owned and not owned by venture capitalists or private equity. Conglomerate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so because it's privately owned, we get to set our own prices. We can sell directly to the consumer for one half to one third less of what you would pay for a similar product from another company. Right. So I have a selfish question here. So we were in South Africa. Um, you know, I was helping out with a friend's podcast. I've been on a guest on a few different podcasts. We had, Johan on from Hunt Tech Pro, kind of prepping for our trip to Africa. When we were there, we started talking about a podcast and how this might tie into kind of part of the treason community. What what about that? And what intrigued you about a podcast to give Holden and I the opportunity to represent treason, represent you, and represent this community to get us to the point where we are today? Well, to a certain degree, you answered my the question you're asking me because what's at our core, if you were to ask me, you know, what do we make? What does treason make? It would be, you'd think, well, we make camel clothing and, and outdoor gear. 
Um, yes, we do. But why do we do that? It goes back to our core value. Why do we exist? What's fundamentally important to us? And what's fundamentally important, we would use the word essential, is community. That's, that's it. Um, we're stealing something, or I'm stealing something from a man named Simon Sinek, who said, start with why. And many of your listeners probably have heard him talk one, about One that. of my favorite books, and, and honestly, one of the best TED Talks that's out there, right. that mm-hmm. says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do that's it. That's exactly right. So, you know, what we do, we, we offer, you know, you know, high quality, badass, technical hunting gear. That's what we do. Why do we do that? Because we know that community is essential. Why do we go hunting, right? Why did I start to go hunting? It was to reconnect with my dad, community, right? I did it through a friend, community. His name's Benji. I've been a friend with him for 30 plus years. I mean, it's all about community. We were not created to be alone. We were created for community. I mean, if you could go out and go hunting, I could, I I live on a, blessed to live on a piece of property. I could walk out my door and I showed you guys the property. I could go out there and hunt any day I want. Yeah. It's a fantastic property too, by the way. I mean, we're so, (laughs) so blessed, right? But I, don't unless someone's going with me. I mean, I, I confess sometimes I do, but uh, <laughs> isn't that uh, amazing though? Because we, we talk about community and I get where you're at with that. It's interesting because when you're in hunting camp, you're going out and then you're alone in the woods, but there's still people there with you and you come back and you get to share stories and share right. experiences. Africa had that for all of us, right? It was this yeah. great sense of community. However, when I was in the hide, I was essentially by myself. So it's a great way to be alone, to reflect, and to see the sunrise, to see the sunset, yeah. to hear the woods wake up, to hear the birds start chirping, yet the community yeah. and that fellowship and that camaraderie, the yeah. campfire conversations yeah. is what brings it all yeah. back together and, I mean, and lets us continue to do this. Yeah, I mean, it, we, oh, sorry, you can go. No, I was going to say, if, you, if we lean into that just a little bit, right? Yes, and the one... On the one hand, you are, you know, alone, you're by yourself, and there's that sense of beautiful, pure individuality, right? And yet, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You came there, like when you guys came to, you know, South Africa, you came kind of together, and, and I was there, you know, we're there together, right? Even if you're in the hide or, or uh, the tree stand alone, you're not alone, right? You're there either you know, I think about my dad or I think about my friends. I'm, 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 I'm drawing on my community. You're, you're, you're getting back to a, like Gary said earlier, a connection or a root. Exactly. Right? Well, and, uh, uh, the Africa episodes won't have released by the time this one does, but my first African animal was a kudu. And when we went to go track it, you were there and Joe was there and Johan showed up and we all walked up on that animal together right. for the first time. And you got a chance to see someone that has never hunted internationally. Um, well, I guess I've been to Canada. It's technically international, but it doesn't feel like <laughs> it when you're from the Midwest. But uh, the first time ever hunting in Africa, first African animal with a bow. And you got a chance to see me just in a flood of emotions. And I, I didn't even have words for it. Like that's part of it yeah. is 
when you're when your buddy's there and you put an arrow or you put a crossbow bolt or you put a bullet through an animal to go on the track together to experience that to be yeah. there also it's nice to have somebody help drag a deer out with you uh, right. because that could be a challenge in some of this terrain but i think that's part of it is is what happens after you let the arrow fly or after you pull the trigger yeah and it's i mean that's that's it so you know if someone said why why did we get involved with treason oh there's a lot of business reasons and blah 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 and that's all very important however it's all about community. Why do we do this? We do this because we believe community is essential. And, uh, you know, how do we accomplish that? Well, we accomplish that by, you know, producing, you know, high quality, badass clothing at a reasonable price. We tell people all the time, look, we don't need to make a killing. We need to make a living, but we don't need to make a killing. Because <laughs> we get asked all the time, how can you sell it? for this price because we can, I mean, we don't have, you know, it's a privately held company owned company, U S based company, all that stuff. We get to set our own prices and <clears throat> we can do that. But you know why we do it? Because we believe community is essential. Therefore that, that colors everything that we do. That's why we're doing the podcast. I mean, that's the whole mm -hmm. point is because when you brought this idea, I mean, we'd already been thinking about it, but we were, we got to that point where that's a great idea. We don't, we're not, we don't have the bandwidth to do it. Well, you guys are, you guys also had a, a pretty good start with your, the field staff, right? The, right. the Facebook field staff group is, is super involved collectively. Um, there's a lot of good information that gets put back and forth and, what it does is it brings hunters all over the country that are excited to use the trees world. And, yeah, the world yeah. Um, that use trees and camo, but we're able to grow relationships. We're able to meet new people, everything like that and form a right. trees and community. Right. Holden, what? you took this right, right out of my mouth. Cause I was going to, I'm, I'm going to say something that's my opinion and it may be slightly controversial and I'm okay with that. <laughs> the other brands that you mentioned or some other brands that are out there that are high quality, brands, they have sometimes an elitist mentality and they have some bandwagon followers. Yes. Uh, and you may see things on TV or you see this or you see that, but it's different. I, I came to treason initially because of the ultra lightweight, because of the product, because the camel pattern looks so cool. But what I think has made me a part of the family and what's kept me here and makes me not want to wear anything else is that community, which I think gets into this, there's such a strong community presence of people that, that wear trees in from the field staff group. And you see some other companies that are out there that they're pro staff or their field staff. You, you have to have a TV show. You have to have this, you have to have that to start to be a part of that community. What led or, or how have you facilitated that community? Because it doesn't, people that are your, they can be your average Joe, but it's about are they going to contribute positively to the community that makes them able to be field staff or that makes them a part of the family or that makes them part of the community? What do you continue to do to facilitate that? Because that doesn't happen on accident. Well, culture, you have to set the culture. Your values set your culture. Mm -hmm. So we identify what our values are. We talked about community being essential. We value respect. So we don't allow, like we have almost 3,000 field staff members. And they post stuff all the time. And like 99% of it is super great. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that one person, you know. And if you disrespect someone, if you disrespect, uh, you know, we each have, I have a strong uh, faith 
component to my life. Um, and I, I respect everyone for wherever they are in their spiritual journey. Uh, but if you disrespect that by, because of someone's faith or because of someone's color or because of someone's gender or because of someone's age or because someone doesn't shoot the type of weapon that you shoot, you know. Yeah. Um, Your buck's too small. You shouldn't have shot it. That's you should have right. let it pass. Right. Crossbows aren't bow hunting. Right. All that stuff. I mean, it's like, look, our values, we value community and then we value respect. We value honesty. We value industry. So when we create that, those values create the culture that is around us. And um, we, got, we got great people. I mean, I don't know the answer to that except thank God for them. I mean, <laughs> we have people all over the world that are just awesome people. And, uh, you know, they attract each other. And we don't really put up with a bunch of people that are, you know, toxic. And if you're toxic, then we give you grace, but we don't give you, you know, a free reign. And we have some great people. Like I just, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, you know, trees and camo is like the number one camo in the state of Hawaii. Yeah, and that that's awesome. I know that is such a. I know. Cool we gotta talk, go hunting there. We talk gotta, about how the, I want to go hunting there. We gotta sure. go. We go. <laughs> I think my wife would mandate that she gets to go on that trip. No, no, no. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she gotta go. So I mean, so we have a group of people in Hawaii, and one of the 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 leader of that group. Maybe that's too strong, but anyway, she is in my mind the leader of the group, and her name's Lorelai, and Lorelai is just like the best human on the planet. Right. Oh yeah. And so, and she's an incredible hunter. She's been with us to South Africa. I mean, her and her husband, husband, Ryan, and they just feel like family, right? Because we value the same things. And even though we're, you know, miles, 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 miles apart, different time zones. I mean, continent, you know, it, I mean, Hawaii, I mean, so I would never, uh, I mean, Hawaii isn't on my bucket list to go hunting, right? I would like to go on a beach or seize that. But because Lorelai is there, I want to go hunting people, there. People don't think about Af or Africa. Obviously, Africa is still on my mind. Right, right. People don't think about Hawaii as a hunting destination. So what? I don't even know what animals they have oh, they, there. They, they, they got all kinds of sheep and axis deer and hogs. But it's not about it, – it's, it's that, right? But it's not about that. It's about – I want to go hunting with Lorelai and Ryan and all those people because those are my people, right? And that's the culture. You were not elitist. I mean, you know, you see me, I'm, I, you might find me working in the warehouse. Uh, you drove up today. What was I doing? You were mowing your own grass. That's right. I mean, <laughs> come on. I'm the president of treason. It's like, yeah, I mow my own grass. I work in and the it's, warehouse. And it's about six hours of mowing from yeah, what I can tell three, today. Three hours in the front, three hours That's in the back. Right. You know, it comes with the blessing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this isn't about uh, driving a logoed car or, you know, wearing, you know, prestigious whatever. This is... This isn't about, um, you know, being a status symbol. This is about hunting. And uh, it doesn't matter how much you make or how much you don't make. It doesn't matter what you drive or what you don't drive. I don't even care, you know, about 
so many things that seem to be so important to a lot of people. What I care about are those core values that people have. And if we share values, then we share culture. And treason is that culture. I'm not saying that we're the only ones that have a really good culture. I'm sure that other companies do. But for what we do, it's an, it's essential for us to build community, healthy community. That's why we do our bow shoot every year. And we have such a great time at the bow shoot where we just celebrate, you know, one another. Yeah, um, the, the amount of interaction between the trees and, you know, permanent staff and the field staff is something that I've never been a part of before. Like it, it's the communication so often and on the field staff page and everything like that, you, like I said, you really feel like you're part of the family once you're once you're here. Well, that's what we're trying to do. And we hope we are accomplishing that. Mike, I'm going to shift us here a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to make you be a little bit vulnerable here because I watched an episode on hunt tech pro. Um, <laughs> I know what you're going. I know where you're going. So, you know, you showed us around your, your office and in, in the room here. And, uh, if people are wondering if, uh, how good of a hunter Mike Austin is. I'm sitting here and at the time there's a sable next to me that when he shot this was the fifth largest sable in the world killed with a bow. There's multiple 200 inch deer. There's animals of all types around here, but directly to our left, there is uh, there's four animals as a part of the spiral slam in Africa. Right. And uh, I watched an episode of hunt tech pro and you know exactly where I'm going with this. Uh, I want to know, a little bit about like what was going on in your head. So if you talk a little bit about your spiral slam, and then I want to hear about the damn wall. That damn wall. <laughs> so, yeah. So the spiral slam is four animals in South Africa that have spiraled horns. It's the kudu, the elan, the nyala, and the bushbuck. And they're all difficult in their own ways. And we were trying to accomplish this in one week. And they don't a, live in the same terrain and geographic area. No, you have to go to different places to get them. And this was all walk and stalk. So uh, we're... Is that because of the time of year? The yes. bush is so thick? Yes. So we went early in the season. It's a lot of water, green everywhere. So here in the United States, we hunt over food, right? But over in South Africa, they hunt over water. So, But if there's water everywhere, then the animals don't have to come to where you are. You have to go to where they are. So when when Holden and I were just in Africa, it was a it's it's their winter, yeah. Um, and it was somewhere in the forty to seventy five degrees, depending on the time of day. Uh, but again, it's their winter. There's not a lot of green. Right. That's why we were wearing the late season pattern, uh, and it's way different than if you were there you know, a few months earlier yeah. or when Josh Miller from triple point was there back in yeah. April, you know, March or April earlier that year. Um, so it's, it's similar. I think when you think about different habitat in the U S that's, you know, where we're at here in the Southeast or in the Midwest, it's thick, it's green. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're stationary waiting for the animal to come to you. Right. If you go out West, you're glassing, you're spotting stock, you're, you're going after them. So that's even the different when we think about the different times of year to hunt in Africa. Yeah. Did I explain that correctly? That's right. Exactly. So for these animals, you're in the bush, it's thick, you're very close, and you don't have any option to take long shots uh, with your bow or with a rifle because you're just so, you're in the bush. One animal in particular, a very difficult animal to hunt, it's called a bush buck. And it's one of the most dangerous animals. It's only about 60 pounds. I mean, it's a small deer-like animal with horns that are about 17 inches, and they spiral. 
they like to charge. Oh, they right? they're like the water moccasin yeah. of the of <laughs> the antelope deer family. You know, uh, they don't have told, a flight mechanism. They just attack. You told me something in Africa that there are uh, when you think about some of the most dangerous animals or where people are wounded or killed the most that the bushbuck is actually it's, one of those. It's top at the animals. top. Yeah, I mean, two hundred hunters are killed a year by the the uh, Cape buffalo, black death, but more are killed by the bushbuck. Because they just charge and they're they come in about waist high and they just gore you. Yep, and then they they run away and then while you're on the ground they come back at you. And, and you were struggling to get on a bush boat. Oh yeah, it was rough. I mean, because they're lightning fast, right? So you're like, there he is. You know, you got about literally three seconds to I see the animal, identify if it's a shooter ram, and then shoot. And usually it's like, oh, there he is. Is he a good one? And he's gone. gone. <laughs> and we did that for seven days. Uh, so, you know, we did, we said, okay, there's a bush buck on this island. Okay. We're on the banks of the Limpopo River, right? I mean, as wild as South Africa gets, it's on the border of Botswana and South Africa. And Limpopo River, it's, it's chucked full of, of crocodiles, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and hippos, which are super dangerous. Not somewhere where you want to accidentally take a slip. This is not a cartoon animal. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are killers. And hippos are one of the dangerous game because they kill a lot of humans. And they don't eat you because they don't eat meat. They just chomp on you and then spit <laughs> you out, you know? And walk away like, and walk away like nothing happened. So anyway, we're like, hey, we got to go over to that that island over there. It's like, great, that's awesome. You know, how do we get there? Oh, well, there's there's a dam, and uh, they call that a dam wall. So we would just call it the dam that hold. You know, there's a dam that we can walk across, right? I go, oh, that's awesome because for me, in my mind. I have a pond on my property and there's a dam that creates it. I could drive my truck over that thing, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. And I'm like, I'm going to skip across this thing. This will be awesome. And then we get to there and it is like, not what I think. It is a concrete wall about 10 inches wide. It looked about the size of a gymnastics balance beam. It felt like a pencil. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> crocodiles so, on one side, so we're like, on the other. No, we get down there. And the pH, and they're like, oh, real casual. So we're going to walk across here. It's 80 meters, right? Across, 80 meters. And he says, oh, by it's the way. It's a football field. Yeah, yeah. So by the way, um, just don't fall into the right. Okay. Because I ain't falling in anywhere. But why, why? Oh, crocodiles. Crocodiles on the right side of the dam. Got it. I'm falling to the you know, left. Yeah. If you fall, make sure you go to the left. Yeah. 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 Got it. If I fall, I'm going to the left. No, 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 no. Don't fall to the left. Why? Hippos are in the water on the left. See those? Those are hippos. Like, <laughs> oh crap. You know, uh, so don't fall. Basically. Even, yeah, you, even you, if you don't fall, hippos are aggressive. Oh They're yeah. Territorial. They're, I, they can I, come at you while oh, you're yeah, on this I'm, game a, I'm not like 12 feet above the water i'm like you know six inches above the water i'm like a crocodile if he wants me or a hippo i'm i mean i'm dead. snagging you either yeah. way i'm dead so with that in mind i'm like scared spitless i know you could barely tell on the video <laughs> i think they edited out the part where you were crying oh uh, yeah yeah there was tears i mean at one point i stop and i'm like i turn around to johan he's filming me like very insensitive right he's filming me and he's like what's wrong 
They're like, what do you mean? What what's do you mean? Wrong? You crocodiles, hippos, crocodiles, hippos. I don't think I can do this. He goes, what's wrong? I don't think I can do this. Were you already on the wall? Oh, yeah. Have you taken a couple steps? I'm probably 30% in. So there's real no going back at this point. I could go back, but <laughs> Johan's behind me. He's like he, three signs. Yeah, yeah. Johan's he's a big huge. guy. He's not yeah. letting you pass It's like, <laughs> you know. And, it's, and he's kind of making you feel bad because uh, he's standing there walking casually. He's shaming. Uh, They're skipping. They're skipping across And he's filming you at the same time. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, there. so he's like, what? And I'm like, uh, I don't think I can do this. This is like, I'm, I'm shaking. And he goes, just, just walk. I'm like, you are such a comfort to me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks you know, a lot. Okay, if you ever thought about going into the profession of counseling, don't do that, you know. <laughs> so, I, I okay, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to keep trying. And I'm going to, like, turn around and I'm going to go forward. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to die. I'm sure I'm going to die. So, I don't die, obviously. But I walk across there. And how long did it take from start to finish of when you took the first step to when you got across? Probably three minutes. Five and how long minutes. did it feel like? Oh, like, um, you know, eternity, right? You know, <laughs> you're never getting off that damn wall. That's right. I'm like, I'm going to be eaten alive and it's going to suck. Uh, so I get to the end. It gets narrower. It goes to like a two by four size for the last 20 feet. Yeah, and the two inch side, not the four inch side. That's right. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And then when you get to the other side, it looked like it was uphill. It was. I crawled. I crawled <laughs> like, like hands. I mean, I'm, these guys are like skipping around, you and know. You're, are you carrying the gun at this point still? Yeah. You got to carry your weapon because I like, give me my gun. Because if, if I fall in, I'm shooting the crock. I'm, I'm shooting whatever comes next. <laughs> here. I mean, I'm, I'm empty in this clip. Um, we get over to the, to the, to the, um, to the island and it's like, great. You know what's great? I got to go back. You know, this is only half over. But we're over there and I'm trying to put on I a I never even first. thought about that. If you shot a bush buck over there, yeah, how are you going to? How are you going to back? Oh, Johan's carrying it. I mean, that's just, I'm not. You know, I'm, Johan's carrying that thing. I'm not going to do it. Anyway, so we're over there and then the pH is like, the hippo's right there. Like this, I, this island is like maybe 30 yards wide and maybe a hundred yards. Oh, so long. it's not even in the water. It, no, yeah, it's this on is the... a little island in the river. <laughs> it's like a sandbar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a glorified sandbar. So it's got some trees on it. So I got great. So he goes, we're okay. We're okay. As long as he stays in the water, it we're doesn't okay. feel like we're okay. Uh, yeah. I was like, yeah, right. Okay. And how so, close was the hippo? You said, oh, uh, he was probably 40 yards away. Okay. So all of a sudden we heard this big splash. Well, it was the bush buck jumping in the water that we're after and swimming away. So like, all right, we're done. And so we're talking. And then the PH Almain is like, oh, that was, that was another splash. We go, yeah, what's, what's up? He goes, that's the hippo coming out of the water. The hippo is now on the island with us. We got to go. And he grabs his gun. He calls two pipe goodnight. And what, what caliber? Yeah. It's done? a 500 nitro. I mean, it's it's like shooting 500 grains of death, you know. And it's a big boy gun. It's a big boy gun. And he's like, "Give me my gun, and you guys go." And we like, you know, now it's not fall left or right. It's like get off this island because the hippo is now hunting us. So you're on. You go back on the wall. Back on the wall, and the hippo. I didn't realize when I watched the episode that you didn't actually 
get a chance to hunt the bush buck on the island. No, because the hippo was hunting us. Right. So the, uh, the <laughs> I imagine who wouldn't want to do this. <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine the, uh, the walk back on the damn wall, knowing the, the hippo was hunting. He was probably a little quicker than, Oh yeah. 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 I mean, was, <laughs> but I'm sure he was shaking less than it the way over yeah, there. It wasn't about crocodiles over here and hippos over there. It's hippo, hippo behind right you. behind yeah. me. And if it gets in the water and starts swimming, I can't run faster than it can swim. Yeah, crocodiles here. I come. That's right. Golly. So we were off that. And it was like, uh, I ain't never doing that again. So just so y'all know. <laughs> and, uh, but as, as I'm looking over here, there's a bush buck on this plot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it the one that jumped in the water? Did I don't you catch know. back up to him? I'm going to say yes. Makes the story yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely that one because, you know, he gave me that look and like smirking and, you know, mocking and stuff <laughs> right, like that. Right. So anyway. Uh, I don't know if it was the next day. I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after, but then we did see, I mean, we were stalking as like, there he is. And it was, you know, set up the sticks, shoot, boom. I mean, within you're walking, hoping it's been six days and then 20 seconds later, it's over. That's wild. Especially to think that I did not realize that you went across. I thought you had a chance to hunt on the island. I didn't realize that you came back. Oh yeah, and no, never we, weren't even on the island. No, for the hippo. A no, seconds. they didn't get a chance to hunt on the island. They got hunted on the island. Hunted. Right. There was <laughs> yeah, hunting yeah, yeah. on the island, but we weren't. But you were not the one. Doing <laughs> that's it. right. Yeah. That's right. But that's part of, you know, that's part of hunting over there is that you're not as high up on the food chain. Yeah, I remember walking around with Johan one time in Africa, and he goes, he stops. Everybody stops. He goes. Isn't it crazy that Cape Buffalo could be anywhere around us? And I'm like, Johan, this is not what I need right, that's right now. That's right. How comforting. <laughs> yeah, you know, was- he needs to work on his, you know, personal, you know, skills uh, of like making people feel comfortable. Right. I kind of feel bad for Beulah a little bit. In I this. know, right? <laughs> Poor girl. So um, I think Africa is a great way to transition into this because, you know, the hunting community faces criticism from external, from non-hunters, from anti-hunters. But also, we create a lot of that amongst ourselves, right? So we face criticism from those outside of, of the hunting community. How do you think is the best way to, to bring the hunting community together instead of buck shaming or crossbow this or compound that or you can't shoot it with a gun? Because right now, the people that don't support hunting typically are louder than those that want to continue this. And, and we are losing rights all across the country, yeah. right? You see that with trail cams here or baiting there or the season compression and different things. What, what would you say to all the people that are listening that are likely again in the hunting community, how can we be better together and stop fighting against each other? Because the, the people that we should be not quote fighting against, but the, the, those individuals that are trying to take away the rights that we currently have are already doing a good job with that. And we're too busy arguing with each other, frankly, about camel patterns or bow brains or broadheads. What do we do to bring that together? And, and how do, how do you believe treason's a part of that? Well, uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. I would just simply say that we as hunters, we need to rise above our preferences it's okay to have a preference, right? If you prefer hunting with, you know, a traditional bow, that's great. That's awesome. 
You may prefer hunting with a compound bow. You may prefer hunting with a spear. You may prefer hunting with a 300 wind mag. It's all good. We all have preferences. They play to our strengths and we try to avoid our weaknesses. You don't know why that person hunts that high fence farm. I hunted with a guy on a high fence uh, property because he was dying of cancer and he was not going to get to hunt again. And that was going to be his last opportunity to shoot and hunt a really nice animal. So, you know, you can say it's hunting or it's not hunting, however you want to do it. But the point is, it's not really for you to say, in my opinion. I think for each of us, if we can celebrate, if it's legal, you know, then we celebrate it. Because you're right. There are too many people, too many voices out there that are, you know, louder than ours, more powerful than ours, have more money than ours. And we don't need to, you know, have infighting or sniping against each other because we think our way is better. Obviously, the way I hunt, I think, is better for me. Yeah, and I'd say something there, too. I mean, you've been hunting a long time, right? And if someone has either a hesitation or something like that with or they want to get into the hunting, the hunting world, what what's something that you would you know, kind of what piece of advice would you give them if they're starting to want to get into hunting or want to get into the outdoors? Where do you think is a good place to start for somebody who doesn't have much experience? Yeah, come right here and I'll take you. There you go, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Or or find someone who uh, has a healthy understanding of hunting and, um, you know, take them out to lunch and pick their brain, you know, um, ask a lot of questions. You'll probably find, I mean, if you're, I mean, I'm serious. If, if, you know, I would take someone hunting, but you may not live close to me. There's other people that would, both of you guys would probably do the same. If someone said, Hey, uh, can I come with you? I take, uh, people hunting all the time that have never been hunting. And I want to give them a good experience of what that event is like. And what it is, is it's the community that we share together. It's the enjoyment of the outdoors I, we could go on my property. If we went out deer hunting, you might see, you know, seven or eight deer that maybe we don't shoot any of them because they're not the ones that we want. Now, if my grandkids come with me and it's a legal hunt, they can shoot whatever, you know, they feel comfortable shooting. Uh, but I think, you know, find someone, you know, that maybe will mentor you in that to teach you the right values and the right respect, the opportunities that you have to um, put forward conservation. Um, that's all important, you know, in the hunting industry. Um, you know, th- that that's super important to, to connect stop, with someone. And stop, I think, the, the judgment of that, right? Oh, yeah. Because the reality is there may, be take, there may be someone that shoots that spike or that fork horn because they get to go out three days a year. That's the only time they could get off work. And maybe they did it with a crossbow, but also maybe that's what their family is going to eat for right. X period of time. That's exactly Or maybe right. you don't know, you know, what they're dealing with in their life. They may never get to go out and hunt that's again. Right. You can't, it's hard to make judgments on people when you don't know what's led them to the point that they're at. And I think, I think that's what I was 
wanted to get out of this is to say the community and the camaraderie and the reason why we wanted to start this podcast is to bring people together to tell stories. And yeah, there's going to be some great animals talked about. There's going to be some, uh, in the next episode, we were going to talk about a a velvet deer that came out of Tennessee from one of the field staffers. And that's going to be great on episode three. But at the end of the day, we're going to tell those stories because there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of community aspects that go into it. But the individual that shot a doe with his daughter, the first time she came out to share that experience and something they're never going to forget. That's what this is about. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is that we need to support one another in the legal ethical hunting that we do. Yeah. Because the, the rights that Mike said that we're losing constantly all across the country, we're not getting those back. Once we lost them, they're they're gone. Poof. That's right. It's it's virtu- It's gonna be. I'll, I'll say impossible to get those rights back, right? Just with the way the hunting community is set up right now. There's too much segregation internally, um, yeah. with all the buck shaming, the crossbow, whatever you want to say. Um, but being able to bring that community together is the only way we're gonna be able to, like Mike said, fight against the for fight against the force that's wanting to take these rights away from us. Yeah. And that's where, you know, we have a business to run, you know, trees and camo. But, you know, if you're wearing another camo pattern and you didn't steal it by looting or something like that, then God bless you. You know, that's awesome. Go out there, enjoy the hunt, right? And whether it's a, a buck I would shoot or wouldn't shoot, it doesn't matter because it's, it's not my buck. I didn't shoot it. And that's where we... We celebrate because, like you said, Mike, we don't know every detail that's in there, where, where that person's coming from, like, you know, where they are in their life. And they, I mean, it's like, you shot those does at that time of year? It's like, yeah, because I was hungry and I, my family needs meat and this is how I can do it. Yeah. Then, you know. And it's legal, so mind your business. That's yes, right. I have a dough Hey, you know, that's the thing is like, God bless you. You go out there and, you know, harvest as many legal does as you can or whatever you can because that's real for a lot of people right this isn't just a sport this provides you know food on the table and that's super important so you know the judgment and that sort of thing i think we're we're i I think everybody should be past that and over that and if, if hey if you see a deer that shows up on some social media post and you wouldn't have shot it. You know, you don't have to say anything. And right? you know, I'm, I'm probably on no less than a hundred different hunting groups on social media. And you see a lot of that. You see a lot of the shaming. And, and honestly, the one place that I don't see it, which I think is a, is a testament to, to treason is, is in the treason community, no matter what's posted, you're not seeing a lot of that. And I think part of it's because you guys have made sure that people know, like, that's not going to be accepted. Right. We're celebrating each other. That's why right. we're here. You mentioned food on the table, right. which is going to bring me to a bit of a unique question. Um, if you were to create the most elaborate dining experience for <laughs> wild game, uh, what would be on the menu? Oh, my gosh. And where would it take place? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I mean, some of my favorite meats would be uh, Axis deer. One of the best meats in I've my opinion. I've heard it's super, super tender. It is. Very tasty. You saw the axis deer on my wall, oh, yeah. right? He was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, elk is 
also incredible. One of my best, I'll tell you my, my favorite meal I've had. This might answer your question in a, this is what's actually happened. So, uh, a friend of mine, a best friend of mine, Gary Milam and I, for years, we'd go out to Colorado, hunt with his dad and his dad's buddies. Cause I don't have my dad anymore. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I'm in, I mean, whatever those guys need, I'm in. I'm not really their son, but I'm going to get as close as I can to feeling. I like hearing their stories because they sound like my dad. They tell the same kind of stories. They laugh about the same kinds of things. They have the same problems as my dad. (laughs) You know, they're messy like my dad was messy. So we go elk hunting. And in this group of uh, six or seven of us, right? And uh, we would usually do very well. And um, we would harvest probably four or five elk. And there might be cows or bulls, whatever tags we had. And we were, weren't particularly picky about, you know, trophies or non-trophies. We were hunting for meat. So after we harvest those, those animals, then there's always a processing day. And during the processing day, it's just like anything else. You know, you're processing. These are big animals, right? right. So it takes all day. So, but at lunchtime. It takes a full day to pack them out and then a whole oh, other day to yeah, process especially them. They're big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, five or six the hind quarter of a bull elk weighs about 130 to 150 it, pounds. It probably took you longer to pack them out and process it than the drive back to Georgia after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. I mean, so we're in the we're in the, the, the processing room and we're doing all the stuff and it's all of us together and it's just, I'm just having a great time there. It's time for lunch. And what are we going to eat? Fresh hamburger i mean fresh elk burgers grinded right there it was ground right there just grab it out of the grinder and let's go fry that stuff up you know grill it up and then there's you know fritters and coleslaw and potato salad and somebody baked a pie not me i mean (laughs) i mean and we just ate it was glorious i mean just glorious just field to plate Feel the, I mean, literally from processing room to the grill. And I've had, I've had, you know, beautiful fillets like sable flat sable right there. I ate the, you know, the tenderloins and the beautiful meats in Africa and all kinds of stuff. But what I remember most are the people I ate it with. And it goes back to community. I mean, I've, I've had some incredible meals in my life. But the ones I remember are the ones that I had with my friends and my family. That, to me, is essential. And that's treason. That's why we exist for community. So, I mean, there's other stories about great meals, but it's the people and the process that made the meal great. But, yeah. And part of the, it sounds like when I asked where, I think it's if the struggle takes place there, the gratification of, of that animal going from field to process to plate, wherever you got a chance to harvest that animal is the place that you want to eat it. That's right. I got a follow-up question. What's the weirdest thing you've ate as far as wild game? Oh, it's got to be, you know, Rocky Mountain oysters. I mean, in Texas, because, you know, they... Oh, yeah. they For those that you. don't know what part of an animal a Rocky Mountain oyster is, can you please explain It's that? a bull testicle. I mean, it's a... It's, it's, Flat out. It's a testicle from, obviously, bull, uh, you know, <laughs> cow. And they, 
in Texas and other places, they fry them up, and it's really awesome. I mean, it tastes really good. From from what animal? Uh, it's it's a cow. You know, oh. it's it's a steer. Okay. Yeah, and um, they taste really great. I mean, I've had spiders, tarantulas um, in New Mexico. Actually, I saw a picture, that picture? on your Facebook right. of you holding a tarantula six inches from your mouth. Did you actually eat that Tasty, tarantula? Tasty, not a chance. <laughs> 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 no. Um, but I've, I've traveled a lot in central, uh, and South America in the, in the Amazon jungle. And, uh, I've eaten some scary stuff. Basically, if it's slower than my fork, I'm going to eat it. That's fair. That's fair. I like that analogy. (laughs) I like that a lot. (laughs) So, um, treason has been around for a while, Mm -hmm. obviously no sense established as well, but recently, uh, the family of treason uh, has expanded right. into, uh, we're both actually wearing the polo currently, right. uh, for Zinn. Uh, can you talk about Zinn a little bit? Because I don't think, it may not be as well known as Treason, um, and it, it expands the community, still right. outdoor, right. an outdoor enthusiast, but it expands the community. So talk about the origin of Zinn, yeah. what it is, the why behind it. Why, why did you choose to make that next step and take that risk of going in yeah. uh, to, that, to that sector? Well, um, Treason is a brand that is produced by a company called Zen Apparel. And Zen Apparel is treason, treason is Zen Apparel. But Zen Apparel is the parent company. And we have, for a long time, wanted to produce clothing in the fishing line, the water line, um, because... Uh, there's so many of our hunters that yeah, are there's fishing. a lot of crossover there, yeah. right? If, if it's not fall and deer season That's or whatever right. season they're, they're hunting and it comes, you know, summertime, a lot of people are out on the water fishing. That's right. or are you saying that is what family. is in season? At That's that time? in season. That's there what's in season. That's perfect. <laughs> um, but that's the, so we started to think about well if we're going to produce a water line of clothing what will it be like and we said we, we wanted to reflect our values again of high performance products at a reasonable price so everything that we make has a high uh, UPF uh, factor so that's the ultraviolet the sun protection. protection yeah so in clothing it's called UPF in like creams it's called SPF. But so UPF 50 plus in most of it, like what I'm wearing here in the same polo you have there, that's a 30 plus UPF factor. Um, This is made from sustainable fabrics like bamboo, super soft, really comfortable. Um, But so we decided we'd launch Zen Outdoors. And Zen Outdoors is the waterline of Zen Apparel. So it is for fishing and the water, whether it's the beach or the ocean or the river or the pond or the lake, uh, it is what treason is to hunting, Zen Outdoors is to fishing and anything on the water. And anything, you know, just, I mean, you could wear a polo shirt golfing. We have shorts, rash guard hoodies and long sleeve shirts, fishing yeah, shirts. I got I to gotta order me one of the, I love that black 
uh, lightweight hoodie mm-hmm. that is a part of the Zen line. The pattern on it is incredible. So I might have to go rummage through the warehouse and, uh, yeah. and figure out how <laughs> to sure pay for could, that thing. We could find you one. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those patterns are our proprietary intellectual property, just like all the patterns that Treason owns. Um, we don't license other people's patterns. Other people have great patterns too. Not as good as ours, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- these, we did a lot of research into it. We want them to be... Uh, distinct, but not like, you know, so distinct. It's like, wow, that's really unique for you. You know, um, they're classy clothes. They're uh, really comfortable, uh, super high performance fabrics. Uh, like on that hoodie that you're talking about, the entire back has a, we use a new proprietary fabric. So you can't see it when you look at it, but the entire back is a vent. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then all the way down underneath the arms is a vent. So if you're leaning against a a boat seat or something like that, you don't want to like get all hot and sweaty. And the venting system, the entire back is a vent and under from, from the underarm all the way down the sleeve, which has a a thumb hole because the sleeves are going to come to your knuckles to keep you from being sunburned on On your hands. Um, you know, it's all a vent. And we try to think about how could we, because there's, there's lots of companies in that space, you know, Hook and Salt Life and Columbia and all, all the rest. How could we uh, make this better? You know, and they, they make a very good product. How could ours be better? And that's, you know, we need to have a better product at a better value. And that's what we do. Uh, so I ordered uh, a pair of the shorts and then the polo. And the reason I think I started there was I wanted to try it out. And, um, you know, it's something, again, like you said, I've wore this polo golfing. And my wife and I went out for a nice dinner last week. And, and I wore it out there and put it on with a nice pair of jeans. And it was it was comfortable and appropriate for what we were doing. I think the versatility of it is what is what is really unique as well. That it's honestly, it's something that you can wear going out to dinner outdoors, whatever you might be doing. Yeah. Um, so where can people, are there any upcoming events or things going on? Are there any outdoor shows that people will expect? Like where, if people want to come see this and touch it in person, where would they, besides going to the website and ordering it, right. how, where would they be able to do that? See it? Um, there's a few stores. Our, our business model is more direct to consumer because we can pass along savings to the consumer. But there are a few stores that do carry our products. You might find them in Ace Hardware stores, some of the ones that have bow shops attached to them and, and outdoor products as well. Um, different independent um, outdoor stores in Texas, Alabama, uh, Pennsylvania, um, Ohio. Uh, there's probably a dozen here. You can always go to South Africa. There's about 30 stores in South <laughs> Africa. Uh, Maybe carry. do some it's hunting while you're there. Yeah. That's right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we... we we understand is that it's risky, right? When you buy online, it's risky. So we try to, you know, minimize that as much as we can with a very robust return policy. Look, if you don't like it, if it doesn't fit, if your mom said you can't have it, you know, it doesn't matter to us. Um, <laughs> you know, you got 30 days to return it. Yeah. So even if you can't get your hands on it, you know, order, yeah. you know, if you're, if you think you're in between a, a large and an XL, go ahead and order both of them. That's what we tell people. It's like, look, go ahead and order it both because, you know, there's free shipping over a $150 order, which, you know, that's, you know, two or three pieces are going to do that Mm -hmm. for you. So go ahead and order the, you know, if you don't know, order both pair. And get the free shipping anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And return it. 
And we pay for that return. I mean, there's free shipping on the return too. And if you're looking for a deal right now, I think the quarter zips are actually like half off. Yeah, we've got a couple things that are half off, especially for the, you know, we're recording this right before Labor Day. But I mean, there's half off quarter zips and and, uh, the The Oxfords. The Oxfords. And then also uh, this shirt we're wearing is actually on sale as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's always a few items that are on sale. We don't really do site-wide sales. Um, but there are a few items that we do want to make available because we understand that every now and then it's really nice to get a, a discount, a break. So I'm a sucker for a deal, right? Yeah. So, uh, when I saw that, I think we were in Africa when I ordered, uh, the early season quarter zip. And then I, then I ordered, my wife saw that and she liked it. So I ordered her a quarter, the women's quarter zip in, uh, early season and late season. There you go. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of where it sits today. You know, we were, we were in the warehouse and we saw orders going out. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was impressed by the process and how quickly when someone hits complete purchase right. that it gets to you, you put the items there and it gets shipped out. Like you, right. if, if an order comes in, it's getting shipped out typically that day. Yeah. Uh, we, we think that's a value proposition that we add. Um, we, uh, try to do our very best to have a very efficient warehouse, uh, hopefully what you saw today, you'll see a clean orderly presentation, uh, that allows us to be very expedient. We're slow, slow is steady, steady is fast. Um, so we try not to make any mistakes, but if you order before 2 PM on Eastern standard time, we will ship that out that same day. So for someone who doesn't have any treason right now, say, what would you recommend if they're on the website looking to get in, get some treason camo for the first time? What would you say are a couple of you know, the apparel items that you guys have that you would recommend to someone yeah, trying out for question. the first time. Um, the ultralight pants. I mean, if you're going to be bow hunting in heat, cause let's be, let's be honest, it's miserable, you know, opening season, opening day, bow season is miserable. It's hot almost everywhere. So ultralight pants and an ultralight shirt, um, gloves are, are not that expensive. So get the gloves too. They have gripper, you know, silicone grips on the, on the pads and index and thumb I've been, um, are half, you know, fingers so that you can shoot, uh, with your bow or your gun, whatever. I usually just take a pair of scissors to all the gloves that <laughs> yeah, I have. No, so I'm going to have to get a hold yeah. of them. Well, that's, $4 that's how we, gloves. you know, develop <laughs> these, you know, everybody kept cutting off the, the fingers and we're like, Hey, we should just make them that way. Um, so that's what we did. Um, but yeah, if you, if you're going to go bow hunting, do that. Uh, if you want something that, you know, you can also get the late season and ultra light product as well, but I would, I would do the ultra light early season right now, especially if you're bow hunting. Um, these are four way stretch pants with vents on the hips and the knees. They're made to port heat. It is the lightest weight hunting pant on the market today. There is no lighter weight pant than this pant. And it's like uber strong. I've hunted them in South Africa. And as you guys know, what's on every bush there? Like three or four inch thorns. Yeah. Mean, (laughs) mean thorns. These are like mess you up. More dangerous than hippos on the damn wall. Yeah. I mean, it's a brutal, you know, the, the, the flora over there is just bite you, stick you, hurt you, you know, make you bleed all the time. But these pants just to handle it like a champ. Um, 
it's amazing how light they can be, but how strong they can be. And I'll, I said this earlier, and I'll say it again. And the pocket game is absolutely incredible. I'm again, I'm a geek on pockets. <laughs> it's a deal or no deal for me. And the pocket game on all those is just incredible. Uh, also, Mike didn't mention this, but um, the hat game and the amount of different hats and the types of hats and the designs are also just second to none. Yeah, I think all of us here have an abundance of hats. Well, you have one less because you left it in the bush <laughs> yeah, in Africa. Yes, I am short one. I think you're hat, saving it. It's still there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still yours. Is. It's just there, not here. Or a baboon has it and he's running around <laughs> with a backward treason hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that is that, happening. So. I, I, agree, I, you. I agree with Mike and I think my first exposure was through the early season and if you're, when this releases, you're getting ready for the bow season opener. And especially where we do most of our hunting here in the Southeast. I mean, having lightweight clothes is well, a even, must. even my friends up in Michigan, they're like, I don't even know if I'm going to go out opening day because it's, it is miserable and it's so humid. Yeah. It's, um, it's just a great way to get into it, yeah. to see uh, a great product and have a great pattern and, uh, and try something that's new as well. Um, we're getting ready to wrap this up here. I think, um, Mike, what, what do you want people to know? Maybe that we haven't said so far about treason, about Zen, about the in-season podcast, or what people can expect just moving forward? Well, I think, first of all, just thank you to Mike, you, and Holden uh, for putting this together, doing it so well. I mean, we've had other people that have said, hey, let me do a podcast for you. And, you know, well, what's that going to look like? Well, I've got my, my iPhone, and I'm just going to talk. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, what are we going to talk about? Uh, whatever the, and then there's an expletive, you know, or something like that. And I'm like, nah, we're not going to do that. Um, so thank you guys for bringing, again, extending our culture to, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, we, uh, we hope you wear trees and camo and Zen Outdoor products. We really do. But it doesn't matter. Uh, this podcast is going to hopefully be, you know, engaging, entertaining, affirmative, uh, encouraging. You know, it's, it's going to be be that for whatever kind of camo you wear and um you know hopefully you're wearing good stuff and and hopefully it has trees and logo on it but um you know the this is all about the community again right engage in the community make your community better by what you do by what you say by what you don't do by what you don't say you know make make where you are better and make your community better. That's really what this is all about because at the end of the day, you know, we're all just hunters and it's good to be in community. Yeah, I don't know that you could have said it better. I think um I think that'll that'll kind of wrap us up a bit. What what uh if you're looking to get some in some treason, you can find the website in the in the description of the podcast, treason.com, pretty easy. You can Google it. And then um, we are getting ready next week to record with uh, with someone that has had some success on an early season Tennessee velvet hunt. And we're really excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I don't have a lot of velvet or any really velvet hunting experience. And so getting this field staffer on to, to talk about this velvet hunt because he killed a great buck. 
this year. Um, I'm super excited to kind of learn a little bit about hunting velvet bucks and cause it's something that I obviously I want to do one day myself. Yeah, the tactics going after it are different and he is a fun guy and, and he has a dynamic personality. So oh, yeah. listening to episode three, Mike, thanks for having Holden and I here. This has been a blast to, to get to spend more time with you, get to see how trees and functions, get to see the warehouse. And frankly, just to enhance the community that we already have. We really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time that you're on the podcast, but thank you. Well, thank you guys. All right. Yeah. Bye-bye.